What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson, alongside my partners for the day. I got Sterling Harris. Sterling, say what's up to the people. Yo. And I got a newcomer, Kyrell Michaels, one of Sterling's friends. So I said, I got to bring him on too. What's up, Kyrell? Good evening. Good morning. Whenever you're listening to you, good morning. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. Welcome to my sports house. <laughs> So, fellas, first things we want to talk about is the University of South Carolina did, in fact, lose to the Missouri Tigers with the the Missouri Tigers with the final score of seventeen to ten. Sterling, I know you don't want to talk too much about this. Just give us a quick thought or two, and then Kyrie, I want to hear your opinion. Uh, I thought South Carolina was a better team coming in. They didn't prevail. You know, rough week. It happens. Final score was 17 to 10. I don't know if I said that before. Just got to make sure I repeat that. It was the battle of the two wins. Uh, Kyrell, what'd you think of the game? Uh, you know, when I'm when I'm breaking down that game, looking back at it, uh, you know, three things kind of stood out to me. I, you know, me personally, I didn't think USC on the field. I didn't think that player-wise they were better than Missouri. I thought there was a big gap between the two teams and didn't think they coached well enough, didn't think they – made enough plays, didn't think they played disciplined enough to erase that gap. And then in the second half, I thought Missouri played not to lose the game. And it ended up working um, just because USC just couldn't make a play. Um, but I did see hope for the future. I mean, Luke Doty didn't let those guys quit. We've been down 17 points before, I think two times this season, right? And I mean, they didn't turn out well. They We got, we got a coach fired. <laughs> That's kind of my my take on that. So a couple things here. We'll start off with the Missouri coach is the same guy who was at App State last year, right? Yeah. I'm almost yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, dang, he brought another yellow team in here and beat Carolina. Mm -hmm. And that, I feel like this one was whatever, but last year was sad because it was senior night. But think, like you said, Luke Dodge, definitely think he would be the quarterback moving forward. He operated kind of as a spark for the team. One thing I thought about, though, was with him, getting all those reps I'm sure at practice at receiver instead of quarterback because you know they just wanted to get the athletic guy on the field I think that's helped I think I think that has hurt his development as a quarterback because I always go back to Deshaun and I know Deshaun Watson is a very blue chip athlete here but whenever he first got to Clemson he was an early enrollee just like Luke was and he goes into the Georgia game, first play of the, first his first play of the game, throws like a 60-yard bomb or something like that. And I'm not going to say Luke might have been able to do that per se, but I think with him having to work the receiver reps and a quarterback, like backup quarterback reps, that might have hurt him. So that's my thoughts on them. I thought it was kind of interesting to see Shy Smith get hurt, and it's like, okay, so this is what the offense will look like next year. Like, I mean, it's – it's kind of felt that way the whole year. <laughs> yeah, on the I'm field. saying, like, you think going to give you 100 yards receiving, and it's like, okay, what else do we got? But with Shy Smith out the game, it's like, okay, you got Kevin Harris, you got Colin Hill, uh, the rest of the receiving core, we don't really know their names. I saw Leggett didn't play, right? Yeah, he was hurt, too. I mean, it was 
it was a mess. <laughs> just a mess. It kind of sucks though, because uh, we and I don't think this has been a strength and conditioning issue like it has in years past. But it's like okay, in years past, I have a lot of guys have been injured towards this part of the year, having the same problems here. But like I said, I think this is just because of the hard schedule, a lot of nicks and bruises. Uh, what did y'all think about the South Carolina defensive backfield with the absence of J.C. Israel and Roderick? Um, I mean, me personally, I don't think they would have made a difference. Um, they, you could tell in the game plan, they they didn't think South Carolina was good enough to play with them anyway. You, I mean, outside outside they in the first half they abused them, and you could see it. I mean, they picked on Cam Smith, and for some reason, after they threw that interception, they didn't go at him. I, I, it, it baffled me. Um, didn't think they could tackle well. But for some reason, they kept running wide zone and kept cutting it up to our linebackers. And our linebackers actually played decent this game. So, you know. Okay. To the average fan that's listening, what is wide zone? Wide zone is basically. So, so let's let's look at let's to the average fan. Let's let's look at five offensive linemen and let's say, matter of fact, you stand up right now. And get up, get in the stance, and say, "Okay, I'm gonna take a step to my left, and I'm trying to reach the guy to my left. That is all I'm trying to do." Now, what's that? Now, what that is going to do is it's trying to stress the defense to move laterally. That's what you gotta do against fast defenses so that they, you know, aren't coming downhill at you. So when you get those guys moving laterally and you start cutting that thing back with a good back that got vision. You, you, you start getting creases. But the problem was our backside linebackers weren't pursuing that fast anyway. So they were just sitting there right in the, right in the cutback lane. So didn't really do much, but still a good play nonetheless. Okay. A little breakdown there from Cairo. I'm calling Cairo's corner. Uh, <laughs> but <I'm, laughs> in South Carolina, whenever Kevin Harris doesn't get a hundred yard rushing, it's not going to be a good day. But I guess we can move forward. And in the Missouri offense, I didn't think they did anything outstanding. I think they just kind of took what the defense gave them for the most part, and that was enough to get the win. Now, I mean, they literally. That's what you thought, too? I mean, I mean, like, off of what Cairo was saying about, like, him running wide zone, it was literally the setup for the crucial third down they converted uh, in the fourth quarter with about three – 3.30 left, I mean, I, I mean, I thought anybody else could have called that was going to, you know, just <laughs> use that eye candy they've done all game long and come right back and, and run play action off of it on third and four to the, you know, to their sideline, which is usually <laughs> the way teams will call that type of thing. So, I mean, they just did what they – Missouri did what they did best, and they won the game because they knew what they did best. That's, that's just kind of how – yeah, so they did beat Columbia with the win. Now, I always have this question now when you look at the universe, USC's offense as far as who decides to say. You got Colin Hill that's been benched now for Doty. You got uh, Doty, however you want to say it. You got Helensky and on. Who do y'all think stays and who do y'all think leaves? I mean, personally, you're talking about like just through this year, like who should be probably the, the what the QB depth chart should look like for the rest of this year or just going into the future? Yeah, heading into the offseason. Whenever this portal opens, who do y'all think will end up leaving? Who do y'all think will end up staying? I mean, I think it's hard to imagine a scenario where Helensky stays here. I just don't like in terms of where the offense probably will end up moving, just in terms of you know personnel and and you know what might work in the SEC. Like let's think about the teams that they would have to beat to get somewhere big in SEC. Teams like Bama, teams like 
you know, let's say LSU gets back next year, and even now in division, uh, Georgia, Florida, usually players that give those type of teams the most issues are guys that can run and throw the football. You know, to be the threat. That's just you just look at the players I've given Bama fits over the years, or or Georgia and Florida fits. Like you know, they have to be able to make make that defense compromise in some type of way, which usually opens up the field for other people. So. Okay. I'd say Helensky probably, and he'll be in the fifth year senior. You got two, you got, you got a freshman that you're starting now. They carry on basically a redshirt sophomore, a redshirt, redshirt sophomore. So he has another year, which is, you know, and him and Dodi are similar players. And then, you know, thinking two years down the line, you get another dual threat coming in, assuming he stays. So it's, I just don't see room for, you know, a pocket passer. Yeah, because I looked and I, there's a three star coming in next. And I think the year after they have that guy coming in from Georgia who, yeah. There's a lot of hype surrounding them. So we'll see what happens with that. I think that carry on ends up leaving too, but only time will tell. Hey, so <laughs> you know, um, the the University of South Carolina moving forward into next season. Kyrie, you got it. I mean, now you, you want me to do it from my perspective or what I think they'll do? Give us your perspective. All right. If I'm the athletic director, I'm doing my due diligence and contacting Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops, and Deuce Staley and saying, hey, you know, just wanted to say, if if you want this job, you got it. You write your check. We'll leave you alone. But realistically, I think the four people is in this order is Tony Elliott, Shane Beamer, Jamie Chadwell, and Hugh Freeze. Um, Tony Elliott is, I mean, Tony Elliott speaks for himself. He, he's at Clemson University, is doing an amazing job. He's a good recruiter. He's seen what a successful culture is. He's smart. Then you go to Shane Beamer. Obviously, the Carolina ties. He's, he's literally coached every single aspect of the game. And his dad is famous for special teams. And that's what South Carolina's not good at right now. So, you know, that's Frank Beamer, by the way, for the listeners. And then, you know, you go to Jamie Chadwell. He's the head coach at Coastal Carolina. I think that he's doing a really good job down there. Um, I mean, he obviously recruited. I mean, he's obviously recruiting and developing players well enough to beat App State, something we don't know what it feels like. Um, and also, when you see Luke Doty go out there, Jamie Chadwell does run a pistol option offense. So you, you would be a little happy to see Luke Doty run out there in his offense. And then Hugh Freeze, I had to put at four because of, you know, the, the Ole Miss stuff. And, you know, Commissioner Sankey may not want him back. Um, but if you can get Hugh Freeze, tell Hugh Freeze to, to come on. I will ask y'all, what has Coastal Carolina done? I know you talk about developing players and stuff like that, but kind of just go a little bit more into it of what that head coach has done to that uh, team, I guess you could just say. So this is his third year there. They've gotten better every year. He has been a national coach finalist for the FCS level three times. He's won the Sun Belt, best coach in the Sun Belt, I believe, three times. I'm pretty sure he's going to win it a fourth time this year. Um, I mean, if you, if you see what they do, it's very difficult to defend. And offensively, I mean, they're just – it's so simple for the offense, 
But for the defense, option rules are very hard. Like these days, especially this year, it option offense takes time to get down. And they're very good at running it. Um, and defensively, they, I mean, they do kind of what everybody else in the country does. Nothing special, but still good enough to win football games. Okay. All right. Sterling, do you, are you still sticking with you think that Beamer is going to be the best guy for the job and that's who you want to get the job or you think somebody different? I, I go with Beamer just solely on the on the thing that I feel like Carolina right now just as a – not as a state, but as a uh, university – maybe even as a state. University fans, everything in, into one, you need to do that. You're, that one, the fans will actually – fully accept because I, I kind of feel like fans really never fully accepted Phil Mustap as the head coach they just said oh he's the coach of the team but like do I really want him here no I don't think fans really you know accepted that and and I do that understands um this fan base the university understands recruiting in-state talent to a, a level degree like this guy Shane was on the phone with Alshon Jeffrey the night before signing day blocking Lane Kiffin's calls <laughs> to make sure that he didn't go to Tennessee. Like, <laughs> and people remember that and they will forever remember that. So I think, you know, that, you know, you can get down to do it if you want to go to who you feel like might be the best coach. But I think Carolina right now, just with the, this, you know, this, the dysfunction in terms of uh, players versus fans and, and all that stuff going on in the facility, mm-hmm. you just need a dude in there that bleeds guarded in black, only wants to bleed guarded in black. If he died, we'll be bleeding guarded in black in his grave. That's the guy you need at Carolina right now, in my in my opinion. I think that guy Shane Beamer. I think that you see a lot right now with, like, how the players are reacting to the fans and stuff. It's like, okay, so we got lost somewhere in this. This is not normal cross the country <laughs> to see all this. This is only right down in downtown Columbia, South Carolina, where you see these players going back and forth at it whenever the coach – now, I get it for some reason, but when the coach decides he's leaving players saying they're opting out too and they're expecting even more. And did y'all see when Javon Kinlaw went on Twitter and said Gamecock fans <laughs> are the worst on my soul? First of all, one thing I don't think Ken Law realized is like, okay, in our culture, cool, and on my souls or whatever, but an old white man is 75 years old, oh my soul, that, that means something to him. <laughs> also Boy, didn't they boom at the game? A lot of Carolina fans really rolled for uh, Ken Law. Like, they were so happy to see him draft, you would have thought it was their son. And then he goes, y'all worked on my soul. Man, did you, did you, you was at the game, but, ooh. It, well, it was not. It was not good when they <laughs> did the NFL. It, it was. It's kind of funny, kind of watching them do the NFL thing. The uh, basically Carolina games, they'll show NFL players that in the lead that play at Carolina, and like me sitting there, I'm sitting there. I was sitting. There, I was like, I might have to pay attention to this because I know they're going to show some of these guys. And like you know, when Nixon popped up, it was a mixed. You know, the mix. Um, of course, when, uh, uh, you know, Jerry Cook pops up, you know, all the guys that clean their spin don't even know who he is. So, you know, you got that going on. Um, you know, Stephon Gilmore, Alshon, those guys, they, yeah, hated hers. Yeah. And then you, then it got eerie because Brian Evers shows up and it's a mix. It's like, ah, Debo shows up. It's, it's, it's like 75% cheer Debo, 25% because, you know, he kind of came and backed up his guys too. Keyshawn Nixon shows up. It's a, 
just like that. And then Javon Kenlaw shows up on the board, and oh my lord, was it a it, was it raining booze in, in, in Williams Bryce Stadium? It was like oh god. So it, it it was something you had to be there and and see and hear just to understand exactly what's going on right now between fans and Gamecock players, specifically under the Will Muschamp um, from the Will Muschamp tree, I guess. If you talk about players, so that's what's going on right now. That's why I feel like you got to have a dude like Beamer that understands both, can bring them together, get some excitement going. You know, just a guard, just a pure guarded in black dude. That's because you can surround. Even if you want to say he doesn't have experience, yada yada, you can surround him with people. All right, you just need that guy leading your team, though. It, like <laughs> that's that's what's needed. I feel like. Yeah, you need somebody leading the charge because I, one thing I thought about that Ken Law situation is like right now it's whatever he's in the league, San Francisco, it's another side of the country. But I feel like maybe 10 to 15 years down the line, you know, you like most guys like to come back and you know put their hand up and everybody cheer. Man, I don't know if they might tell him get his ticket. <laughs> ticket online. Oh, uh, Kyra, you got any thoughts to that or you, you good? I mean, you you can't you can't say that about this university. Like Listen, this university did a lot for him. I mean, we provided him a platform to play. And yeah, Will Muschamp was a big part of that. But you still got to respect the, the the team that you put across your chest for two years that, that got you the opportunity to be selected ninth overall. But, I, you know, free country, 15, 14. Yeah, okay. I knew something was going to go down because as soon as he got to the league and he started, well, pro day, not combine, uh, testing, not testing, but like, you know, where they go to whatever city and start doing their combine training and stuff. He goes, finally got some coaching now. And when he said that, I was like, okay, that's a dig. I don't know where he's going to go with this, but I think it was supposed to kind of come off as a lot of Carolina fans thought of him as he didn't have any deals for some line coaching at South Carolina, but I wouldn't say he improved he improved tremendously while at his time at South Carolina. But maybe Matt, he didn't feel that way. Matt, think about this. You're you're sitting here, so you defend so so you take a dig at the coaching staff first. <laughs> okay, so then when Coach Muschamp gets fired, you take a dig at the fans. What the hell did you come to the school for? <laughs> what the hell did you come to the school for? You don't like the coaches. You don't like the plays. Go somewhere else. I, I mean, I think it's simple. Now listen, I ain't coming at Javon Kinlaw because we all know Javon Kinlaw is six foot six, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. But I mean, come on now. We we got to be realistic about this. Have some common sense. <laughs> but like this, this is my Matt. Let me, and I just want to post this question to the listeners. Like, when we're looking at this, when you see all this stuff on Twitter about um, the head coaching search and all this, think about, a- ask yourself, what are the problems with this university right now? Don't just say, oh, well, you know, I want, I want the hot name. I want, I want Hugh Freeze or I want Urban Meyer. I want the biggest name. No, you have to get that. That was the problem. That, have, that that's what got us must champ. We went after Kirby Smart and Georgia said to hell with that. <laughs> and we didn't have any backup plan. We missed on Kirby Smart, Tom Herman, and a bunch of other people. And we landed on Will Muschamp. Make sure you go get your guy this time. Make sure you know what the, I thought, 
you know, I ain't gonna get into that about about Ray Tanner. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna get into that. I, I, <laughs> Lord, Lord forbid, I don't know how he kept his job. But the problems with this university are number one, we have an awful culture right now. Number two, there's a there's an obvious division between the facility, the players, the fans, the former players, alumni. Number three, we have absolutely no player development. It doesn't matter if you're bringing in four and five stars and three stars every year. It, it doesn't matter. You, you don't see Clemson saying, oh, we're offering somebody because of stars. You see Dabo Sweeney going up there saying, if you ain't good enough to play here, we ain't offering you. It's simple as that. And they're actually developing these players, not as just ball players, but as men. We got we. I mean, Javon Kinlaw's taking taking digs at his former coaching staff and the 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 school. What what does that show you? Then number four, we're not exciting. I mean, you turn on an Ole Miss game, you Ole Miss got hope. We have absolutely no hope. We have no hope. <laughs> Think about that. We have no hope going into a football game. We we do. We went into the Georgia game. Ain't nobody expected us to win. We And listen, people go go out there, you know, this week. Oh, well, we beat Georgia last year. Let me tell you something. You think, you think we're going to beat Georgia this year? You need to go get checked for something. Because <laughs> <laughs> Georgia actually got wide receivers this year. They actually got a quarterback that can sling the rock. And let me tell you something. They go, they, they go, they go tear us apart. But, but what I want these – these listeners to do is think about what the problem is with this university right now and come to a conclusion of who can realistically answer these questions. That that's, that's just, that's my spew on that. Hey, my whole thought process, we were talking about this with my family. So whenever Will Muschamp got fired from Florida, this is how it went. So he got fired and they got the buyout or whatever. And Ray Tanner goes, you know what? We could barely, we couldn't beat them. That's our guy. And then they decided to bring him in and <laughs> hiring him. That's, that's the whole thought process. And I think they also, I think it got to the point where South Carolina was having so much discipline problems, you know, towards the end of Spurrier's time here. And uh, Tony, not Sean Elliott, I guess you'd say. That's the guy who's the head coach of Georgia State, right? Mm-hmm. They have so much discipline problem. They said they could hardly get some guys to do like the stretching lines and stuff. So they're like, okay, we're bringing the Will Muschamp to discipline the program like what he did with, from that Urban Meyer program at Florida. But clearly it does not work out. So we'll see what happens, though. We're going to move to the Clemson game here, here real quickly, which end, end, which did end up getting – I think they're trying to decide if it's going to be postponed or just canceled. And <laughs> Devil said that they <laughs> – Devil came out today saying um, if they want to play that game, they need to do it in Death Valley. So Yeah, see, they <laughs> said they're going to have to pay for their travel. If, from what I understand, the athletic training staff couldn't come to an agreement. Is that correct? Yeah, the two medical staffs couldn't come to an agreement uh, in terms of feeling comfortable playing the game. I, I still don't even know what really happened. Kyra, do you think? Do you know what even happened with that <laughs> with that game? Dude, I mean, there have been different things coming out saying that somebody tested positive, and then there's another thing saying he only had symptoms. So those are two very separate things. And I mean, either way, we knew Florida State didn't want to go in and play that game. I mean, <laughs> trying to find a reason not to play that game, so <laughs> got it and got up out of there. 
I mean, that's literally what Debo said. He literally said COVID was not the reason the game. It was an excuse for Florida State to not play. Like, that came out of oh, Debo's yeah. mouth less than three hours ago. So, <laughs> I mean, not biting his tongue for this one. So, we'll see who Clemson ends up playing next week. As a reminder, the Clemson-South Carolina game this year has been canceled. You see that fans are kind of starting to be like, oh, well, we really want to play this game. I think Carolina fans are going to be happy to get out this season. We're going to move to the Big Ten here. <laughs> where the Ohio State Buckeyes did, in fact, escape the win at home against Indiana with the final score of 42-35. My guy, Justin Fields, had three interceptions. It kind of looked like he was just trying to make an extra play, probably doing a little bit too much on a two or three of those. And But I will say, even with him having three interceptions, he still had two 100-yard receivers. Garrett Wilson went had seven receptions for 169 yards. Chris Olave had eight receptions for 101 yards. Master Teague on the ground had 26, had 26 carries for 169 yards and has really held his own at the running back position. I think a lot of people thought Trey Sermon coming in from Oklahoma was going probably going to be the guy to take over, but they weren't able to do that. So uh, uh, Trey Sermon has not been able to do that thus far. Did y'all watch that game? I watched a little bit of it, a little bit of it. What do you think of Ohio State's defense? They're secondary, man. They, I mean – their secondary isn't as good as what they used to be. Okay. And and scheme-wise, of course, they're not going to be that good. I mean, you, you got a new defensive coordinator, the NFL draft kind of killed you. Now, you know, people don't understand that when you're playing defense and you got a lack of reps, you know, it ain't like offense. It's offense, you know, you, it's just regular pitch and catch. You got to run with these guys and stuff like that, and you got to communicate defensively about all this stuff going on. That is hard. So, you know, I, I, I'll give them a pass for it. But I think this is more about how good Indiana is. Indiana played a bad game, and they still came up seven points short. Yeah, I, I, I think that speaks to them. I usually like to highlight a quarterback every episode. I'm going to highlight Michael Penix Jr., who had five touchdowns, throwing a 491 yards in the air. And he went 27 for 51, so that means he completed a little bit over half his passes, which – isn't a great day completion wise, but Ty for Ty for, let me get this name right. Ty Fry Fugel had seven catches for 218 yards and three touchdowns. So a big day for him. He's had two hundred yard games this past two weeks and then 142 against Michigan. Do y'all remember Simi Cobbs? Mm, nah. Light skin <laughs> played at Indiana. He gave Ohio State a lot of fits. I think that was in 2017 or 18. Uh, he was supposed to be a first, at least a third round guy, but he ended up going undrafted and he's been playing like the XFL and uh, many other things like that, trying to get in the league. But one thing that to note though, was Indiana only ran the, ran the ball for negative one yards. It, it's kind of funny when you talk about the stuff Indiana couldn't do. And when, you know, Cairo says Indiana played a bad game, they, they gave Ohio, like, let's think about the score. It was 42-35. They gave Ohio State a pick six and within they was driving on the on the possession and the running back fumbles within like the five yard line. I mean, those are two those are two possessions where if you take away a score and you don't turn the ball over, we might be sitting here calling upset right now. Yeah. That's how close the game actually ended up being. So and they were the yeah. battle. I was about to say, and they were the battle of the undefeated too, right? There. I think people are kind of the head coach for Indiana's Tom Outland. Is that his name? Tim Allen, yeah. Tim Allen, yeah, I think he really got a program coming over there. Uh, Michael Penix, I know it's going to the draft, but definitely building something special in Indiana. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, they better pay him, or he he's going to either Michigan or or Penn State. So they they better they better back the back the truck up for him. <laughs> they try to get James Franklin up out of town. Do you, uh, Kyra? Do you like Sean Wade? I I mean, he made a really good play on that out route. I like how he he sat on that. I, you know, I I liked how he played in that national championship game. I I think that he's a he's a really fluid DB. Um, the only problem is, you know, you playing at Ohio State and you playing against somebody every week. So yeah, there are going to be some times that you get exposed, but I think that it prepares him and every other Ohio State defensive back very well. Okay, uh, Hooker's brother, I remember Malik Hooker, his brother is back there. He didn't do too much for us. I think we usually like to have a one safety high look, but and that's what we've been able to do in the years past because we've had guys like Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda, but that ain't really working this year. So we're going to have to and also. <laughs> I think we like to depend on the pass rush. You know, Chase Young last year who had a huge hit on Joe Burrow. But we'll talk about that later. But this year, our pass rush just hasn't been what it has been in the years past because we also had guys like the Bosa brothers. But I think we're kind of depending on Jonathan Cooper. So, but Sterling, my question be for you is, do you think, a t- how much do you think a team like Alabama with great pass catchers and a great quarterback will cause us problems? Well, the thing about Alabama is their QB as, as, much as people like to sleep on him, he's not really making mistakes. And <laughs> I think Ohio State, the way that, you know, they're kind of, de- they're depending on the hasty guy to, to throw him one, to give him one or two. Well, Matt Jones doesn't turn the ball over and he's throwing a lot of touchdowns. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have Devontae Smith to throw two weapons, even with Waddle out. Oh my God, imagine if Waddle was still playing. I know. Jesus. Right? <laughs> with Waddle out, Matt Jones still isn't, you know, seeming to be pressing. And then even if, if he's struggling, let's hand him off to Najee Harris. That will give Ohio State with, you know, the lack of pass rush they're having, um, how it seems that, you know, outside of Sean Wade in the secondary, it's kind of free reign, like just pick who you want to throw the ball to. Right now, Alabama probably blows up. I, I ain't going to say they blow them out because I do like Justin Field, but I would not be surprised if it was a two-score or even three-score game with Alabama taking taking the dub. What you think, Ty? Um, I mean, looking, looking towards what they have for the future in future games. I mean, they got Illinois, Michigan state and Michigan left on the schedule. So, so they ain't playing nobody. Um, but the big 12, I mean, the big 10 championship game, probably either Wisconsin or Northwestern, obviously they're going to win that game, but that'll be a good defensive test for Justin Fields. We'll get to see him up against future NFL talent, but when Ohio State has to go and play Clemson and Alabama and Notre Dame and possibly even Florida, they're going to have trouble because they ain't got guys that can run with those dudes consistently. And maybe defensively, because when I did watch that game, I did see that they were, they weren't as dominant as I, I will see a former, you know, Ohio State team up front. So, I mean, it, if you're going up against the best in the country, I, I don't see Ohio State really getting past the the first college football game. Yeah, the thing is, I'm like, okay, we need to be playing. We need. We're probably going to end up playing that two three because I don't think we're going to be one. I don't think we're going to be four either. But yeah, mm-hmm. after watching that pad that last game, I was like, Alabama will give us a lot of fits. I think Florida could as well. I'm not as much so worried about Clemson. 
I'm not. But Alabama, Florida, any team that can throw the ball really well will definitely uh, give us some fits. And Why aren't you worried well. about Clemson? What's up? How come you're not worried about Clemson? So uh, Amari Rogers, okay. Obviously, you got Trevor Lawrence and then Travis Etienne. But I'm worried about a team that's going to give me fits on both uh, both outside receivers. And I don't – who is Clemson outside receivers this year? Uh, they got Nada, and they have this other kid. They are big and long. Yeah, that, that's a good point. They are really tall at receiver, besides and, Lamar. Yeah, and their offensive coordinator is a dang good play caller. Yeah. And you you get in that 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 country cover three that – that uh, Ohio State likes to run, they go eat them alive. And so, so, um, so that that's gonna be a problem there. And then on top of it, if that if that defensive line, I mean, let, let's 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 wind back to the Ohio State Clemson game last year. Ohio State, I thought should have won that game yep. off of that um that call that Justin Ross. They said it was an incomplete pass. That, that was a complete a completed pass and a fumble, but. I I don't see that defensive line like I saw last like last year. I, I don't I don't think that they're gonna cause Trevor Lawrence to have to panic. And and if he ain't panicking, Trevor Lawrence might be the best quarterback in the nation. I, I think we're gonna have to send some blitzes. I think we're gonna have to get uh maybe a corner blitz here or there, maybe send some linebackers to blitzes or something like that. We gotta put pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and that was another thing the Indiana quarterback did really well. He was good at evading the blitz too. So he's a mobile guy. Not as worried as much about that with Mac Jones. Trevor clearly in that game showed you you got to be worried about him getting out the pocket. I think he went on that 70-yard run. I didn't think a lot of people realized that Trevor Lawrence even had that in him. Yeah, them, them, Trevor got some wheels. I'm telling you. <laughs> that stride opened up. <laughs> He'll leave me. And then, he has, and then he hasn't been playing as many games this year, you know, due to like COVID stuff and uh being out out of Notre Dame, then I think they've had a buy already in there. So like he'll be fresh coming into the playoff. So we're gonna see what happens with that. We're gonna move to the NFL. First question I'm gonna ask you guys: Who do y'all think wins the NFC East? Because all the teams have three wins so far. You ready for this? Let's hear it. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I can see a scenario where the New York Giants actually mess around and win this division. <laughs> why do you, why would you say that? And by the way, teams in that division, the Redskins, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and what's the last one? The Giants. <laughs> yeah, the Giants, as you just the said. Giants. But uh, why yeah. would you say the Giants? Well, when I look at them this year, even without Saquon Barkley, they've gotten better in every game. I've seen improvement in their team in every game they played. I haven't seen a New York Giants game where I'm like, they're not getting better as a football team. Um also, they already have, you know, one of those things you kind of, those crucial things you need. I think they have two wins over Washington, I think. And um, and they already beaten the Eagles once. So, you know, you can find a way to beat them once. I don't know if they played Dallas before. They might have lost to Dallas. Um, but I just, think, I just see a team that's getting better. They're more healthy, you know, in terms of them outside of Saquon. They're more healthy than the rest of the teams playing because, you know, Philly's always hurt with something. Dallas, of course, is missing their whole offensive line in their, in their quarterback. And Washington is, I mean, they're, I don't know. Like, it's just tough, but I'm just going with a team that I feel is the most healthy, where, where you know, it means the most. Like they still have their quarterback. Defensively, they've gotten better. Um, and they seem to be catching a little rhythm right now. So I'm going I'm to go with the Giants. It's crazy. I mean, anybody can win it, but I'm going to just go with the Giants over there. I swear, we haven't seen Alshon Jeffrey since the Super Bowl game. 
like, it's, it's been so long. And then Deshaun Jackson's hurt every year with the hamstring thing. Actually, I really like D-Jack at Cal, but and in his younger years, but it seems like his second time around with the Eagles, he's never available. And y'all know this <laughs> best ability is availability. So <laughs> we're going to keep it moving there to the Houston Texans, my team, who did, in fact, get the win over the Pats, the Patriots, the final score of 27-20. Deshaun Watts had him a heck of a game. And he was ready to go for this one, going 28 for 37, 344 yards, two touchdowns. No Kenny Stills, no Randall Cobb, no Lermy uh, Tunzel, no problem. And uh, got the win. One thing I've realized is we are paying J.J. Watt to face them double teams and to challenge them and to knock the ball down. <laughs> I mean, that's just literally his job description. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, he's not getting a whole bunch of sacks. I think he just hit his 100th career sack. You know, he's been doing over his career. But, like, I think he's got three pass deflections a day, and it's like, hey, for young listeners out there, you can't get to your defense lineman, you can't get to the quarterback, put your hands up, deflect the ball. Uh, <laughs> yo, okay, Cairo, I guess I'll ask you this. Do you remember when Vernon Hargraves third and Bradley Roby were playing in college? Right. Both All-Americans. It seems like in the NFL, neither one of them have kind of reached that next level. Right. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Bradley Roby, um, while he was with the the Broncos, I mean, he had the pleasure of sitting behind Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. Um, he was our third corner, so, you know, he, he wasn't even guarding the top receivers. And, um, but, you know, last year I thought that he played better. Um, there was one particular game I watched, I can't remember which one specifically, but he dropped a, a game-winning interception, uh, pick six, and I was like, ooh, this guy's actually playing pretty good this game. Yeah. So, But in, in regards to Vernon Hargraves, it, it comes to a point where it's like technique, consistency, and size is going to matter in the NFL, and he's not good at any of them. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, he, I mean, but he's good enough to keep a job. So, I, you know. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in Tampa Bay, I think. And then I don't know if when Bruce came in is where they went ahead and got him out of there. But yeah, it's funny because every time I see those two All-Americans, it's like in college, I would have killed to have these. Like, if you would have told me when these guys got to NFL, they'd be on the same team, I'd be like, okay, no fly zone. And that right. obviously is not the case <laughs> in uh, Houston. But we're going to keep it moving. The Panthers <laughs> getting the win 20 to nothing. Sterling, I know that's your team. P.J. Walker, man in the quarterback position. Little backstory there. Walker, PJ went to Temple when Matt Rule was there, went undrafted, ended up spending some time with the Colts, then went to the XFL, proved himself going 5-0, and led the league in passing yards and touchdowns, second highest quarterback rating in the XFL, got a shot with the Panthers. What did he do today, Sterling? Uh, well, I would say he didn't try to lose the game, but he kind of did twice <laughs> with two horrible interceptions. But this isn't even about P.J. Walker. This is about this Panthers defense that has been getting better every single week. I mean, like, they – I understand, that, you know, Detroit might have been hurt, but to have your first shutout as a team in a situation where you know your quarterback isn't playing, that – I think that in itself proves the growth that you had as a team. Understand that the defense, we have to – we have to show up this game for us to win. And just, you know, even if P.J. throws two horrible interceptions. I mean, just awful interceptions. <laughs> like <laughs> that. This is our job for this game is to win this game. 
we've been we've been getting better every week. At, you know, it's a, it's so fun to watch us play defense. Brian Burns getting sacks. You know, them looking more disciplined each week. Each week they come out. Never, never showing. You know, even though we have our our gaps here and there, we got to get better. But this this is about the defense. This isn't about PJ. I get that. You know, he started. I mean, I kind of wish that we would actually thrown the guy out that we drafted to see if he had anything available to him. But I guess Will Greer is just. I don't know what Will Greer is at this point, but, <laughs> but this is about the defense. This is about the defense. You hold a team to the donut, the game's about you. They get the game ball. Okay. So we're going to move from there to Cincinnati, where Joe Burrow did, in fact, tear his ACL and tweeted out after the game, he'll see y'all next year. He also took a huge hit from Chase Young earlier in the game. Uh, sucks for Joe. I'm Hopefully he'll have a speedy recovery and he will keep it moving. Another rookie quarterback, Tua Tungvaloa, was pulled out of the Dolphins game. And the Dolphins lost to the Broncos with a final score of 20 to 13. <laughs> Apparently, he wasn't pulled out because of a poor performance. They said he was pulled out because he had some sort of knee injury, correct? I, I think it was it was the injury plus they're playing against a very tough dude in Vic Fangio and that in that Broncos defense. Just, you know, Kyra could probably tell you all about the Broncos defense. This is no point in even, you know. In terms of maybe killing the dude's morale, if you want to throw him out there against the Broncos for a whole three quarter, four quarters in the game that he's not playing as well in and might be hurt, and he's your future, you probably pull up for the guy that you're going to, you know, that that's there for that reason. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, <laughs> to his credit, almost tried to be Fitz Magic until he got to the end zone and threw a pick. <laughs> but, but I mean. That's I think that's one of those that's a that's a pull that you know people might look at it like oh my gosh you know two got pulled this no this is this is thinking four years down the road not not in the moment so yeah, this is definitely thinking long term there and so Ryan I saw the coach said that Ryan Fitzpatrick gave him the best chance to win today but Tua will remain their starter so Tua was three and zero in the league this is his first loss it comes to everybody that's Joe Burrow and they'll keep it moving. Now, for this Kansas City Sunday night game, you had Kansas City facing the Raiders, stars all over the field. That Raiders facility looks so nice. It's going to be great once they get some actual fans in there. But, you know, that's up to COVID. Kansas City got the win 35-31. Travis Kels had a big day going for eight receptions, 127 yards, and one touchdown, the game winner, as a matter of fact. And Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions, 102 yards, and one touchdown. So and Patrick Mahomes went 34 for 45 for 348 yards, two touchdowns, and one interceptions. Kyro, did you watch that game? Yep, watched it from from start to end. What did okay? Do you like Jonathan Abrams as a safety? Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I mean, he the the thing about <laughs> him is he, there's there's something called too aggressive. <laughs> now, I would, you know, me as a coach, I would rather tell my players, you know, whoa, than have to tell them sick them. So I would rather have a Jonathan Abrams type guy than somebody more, you know, closed off. But you know, there there were some plays out there where he was just going a little too fast and um, ran right by the play. And I know if I'm the coach, I'm probably you know calling them every other name except the child of God, you know, <laughs> but, but Hey, you know, I, I think he's an aggressive guy and teams are going to use that against him his entire career. I remember in hard knocks, they were having to tell him to stop tackling without pads on. He was mm -hmm. part of that in that draft class I think Mississippi state had two or three guys drafted in the first round. 
Jeffrey Simmons went. Yeah, yeah. So he was one of those guys. And the guy we're talking about from Ohio State also played. Uh, the, I don't know if y'all saw, remember Kason Nixon, K9, whatever from South Carolina. I right. saw oh, him, Yeah, I saw him out there. Trayvon Mullen from Clemson, who was drafted, I think, last year in the second round. Yep. He played, he's a Raiders DB, and his younger brother plays for Indiana. So a lot going on there, a lot of connections. It's always cool watching the NFL games and being able to pick out who, who went to what college. Oh, don't forget Damon Arnett at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, that's who I was talking about, Damon Arnett. Yeah. Don't forget Renfro and Brian, yeah, Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards, Jesus. <laughs> well, technically, everybody was on the college. O line. <laughs> who else they got out there? Um, what's his name? The one that played uh, Cleveland Farrell. He's oh. out there. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland Farrell is on that team. They, they drafted. Yeah. They drafted a uh, Tanner Muse to play linebacker, but he he. I guess he was just really bad at it. <laughs> so so he ain't on there, but they drafted him. Speaking of Tanner Muse, his brother Nick Muse seemed like him and not y'all. We're gonna switch gears here really quickly. Nick Muse actually was kind of coming to, yeah, Nick Muse was actually coming along last night when Luke Dottie kind of got going. You mm-hmm. got to see him throw a little bit to the tight end. So I think Nick Muse has lost kind of a step this past year. This year, <laughs> coming off that tournament. Hey, hey, man, look. Look, you got a dude that, that quarterback that can run, everybody gets open. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody go be open. It's so- <laughs> I yes. wish they kind of do it the way uh, I know y'all y'all might not even know who Chapin High School is, but when Logan Bailey was the quarterback at Chapin, the minute Logan Bailey left the pocket, they said they said everybody run vertical down the field. Just he gonna throw it to one of y'all. We about to show you something. Hey, <laughs> like I heard he's at Newberry now. They playing running back. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Mr. Did he end up winning Mr. Football? Logan Bailey, y'all went to Chapin High School. Did he end up graduate? I want to say 2016. Did he get Mr. Football or is he just contestant? No, nah, I think he, he was a finalist. I don't think yeah. he won it though. He was a bad man. I'll tell you that. I think that might have been the, the year that the carry on won it actually. I think 4D won it that year. And um, can't say the carry on name too much, man. He might offend uh, some people. Yeah, it, uh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They forget the carry one of the last man on planet Earth to beat Dutch Ford High School with Tom Knotts, but we're not going to get to that subject. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, and last but y'all, just for some other quick NFL scores, the Steelers did beat the Jaguars 27-3. The Jets lost to the Chargers 34-28. You got the Cowboys beating the Vikings 31-28. So Cowboys Nation is happy. Uh, the Colts beat the Packers in overtime. Wasn't expecting that one. That was a really good game. Uh, 34-31 <laughs> Colts over the Packers. What happened in the game? Um, well, for, well, first half, you know, the, the Colts defense kind of they're, they're built to bend but don't break. And they broke a lot in the first half. They gave up 28 first half points and ended up only giving up 31. So that should that should tell you the, the course of the game. They, yeah, they stepped up their play. And um, for some godforsaken reason, Matt Eberflus ran Tampa two on third and 10 with Marcus. Um, Valdez Scantley as the number three receiver and you know to anybody that knows a little bit of football there's only one route coming if 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 that fast guy is that number three and is running straight vertical at that linebacker of course Aaron Rodgers completes that ball and um, Marquez Valdez Scantley ended up fumbling the ball later and the coach defense comes up big but I mean Matt Eberflus 
dang near put his job at Jeopardy that game. <laughs> <laughs> I will say something about the coast though is watching them this week and um, peeking into their game last week against the Titans that they do uh, come off as a team that when you just if you you don't even have to know anything you just watch you know if you want to do a score watch they make adjustments um, and find ways to to either crawl back into a game or or just flat out win them which is kind of what they did the last couple of weeks at Tennessee and with the co um, I mean with the uh, package today <laughs> so. So the coach, coaching staff is what you're talking about. They're the ones that can make great adjustments. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got some coaches on that staff now. Who's the head man in Indianapolis? The Philly right. special. Frank, <laughs> the, the the reason the reason the Eagles are bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all right, y'all. So we're gonna hop here real quickly for the little NBA contracts, and then we'll go to high school football for a quick second. But Gordon Hayward is heading to Charlotte with LaMelo Ball. Gordon Hayward got four years, $120 million. Donovan Mitchell got a five-year rookie extension that has $163 million guaranteed, but can have, that can go up to $195 million. Rondo signed a two-year deal for $15 million. Sterling predicted that on Sportscaster. Shout out to them. Jason Tatum, five years, $195 million. Is that the exact same contract that Donovan Mitchell signed? Uh, it's, it's it's similar. I think I think Boston just might have more money than Utah. <laughs> that could be the reason why they gave him a little more. All right, so. and then Fred VanVleet uh, signed a four-year contract with the Toronto Raptors. I'll pay him eighty-five million. Is the largest total value for an undrafted player in NBA history. Which one of those do y'all think is the best contract? Well, the Don and the Gordon Hayward contract. I can tell you that much. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know where that number came out. I don't know how Michael Jordan put that one out the year. But I, I guess the, I'll say the best contract. Um, honestly, it's a tie between um, Boston and Atlanta because yes, Rondo's contract is you know diminished. I mean, not diminished, but you know, it's not as big as those uh, those big contracts like um, you know Tatum, Mitchell's, but. For what they're trying to build, it makes the most sense. All right, you got Trey Young. You, you just picked up Gallinari. You're, you're clearly gearing up to make a playoff push. So who better else to bring in and secure to, to mentor your point guard and the two-time champion and Roger Rondo, who also can teach him, you know, probably, you know, he was a great defensive player too, can, you know, teach us some stuff on defense, being a smaller guy. Um, you know, he's not small, you know, he's a pretty stocky dude. But he can at least teach Trey Young some ways, you know, some tips and tricks while also helping them in, in becoming a better floor general because Trey Young obviously can put the ball in the basket. So, so for him, is for his progression is about, you know, making people better, um, knowing how to play uh, the game in terms of clock management, when he starts plays, you know, all the other basketball stuff that Rondo clearly knows because he's a brilliant mind. But then Boston, on the other hand, you get a guy, you have to keep that guy at Tatum. Um, and secure him long term because he's going to be what you revolve your your team around, you know, for the next couple of years. Because he's going to be a, you know, he's already probably a star in the league. And if he keeps developing, they're probably going to one of those guys when people like, you know, maybe LeBron retires and um, let's say Giannis hits a hits a ceiling that he can't, you know, break through. He'll break into the upper echelon of players that will be the faces of the league and, and stuff like that. So, but it, it sure ain't it sure ain't Gordon Hayward. All right, I like the move, but. A hundred and what? Yeah, four years, one twenty million. That's thirty million. Yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of like, they "How much did Haber average last year?" It wasn't enough. It wasn't that much. It wasn't enough for thirty million. <laughs> Charlotte fans, yeah. it's like they're so happy for Lamelo Ball, and it's like Jordan. This is why who you are. Uh, you're a great player, but as a general manager, we have our questions. So. <laughs> 
Hey, so they expect yeah. Terry Rozier to get shipped up out of there in the next couple of weeks, by the way. Preferably to the Clippers. I oh, fully expect that to happen. That's what I was thinking. It's just too many guys, too many point guards, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I imagine you keep Devontae Graham. He's 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 pretty low on the salary right now. Also one of the most improved players in the league. You just drafted Lamelo Ball. Uh you're overpaying Terry Rozier. I, I imagine he gets moved soon. Terry Rozier hit the real estate market. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. All the way. Also, if any of y'all, if COVID slows down and end up in Atlanta, the Hawks have the barbershop called the Swag Shop at the arena. It's Killer Mike's love Killer Mike. If y'all know about him. He's a YouTuber. He's a rapper and an activist. Great guy. Just ordered a T-shirt of his. Eighty dollars. So it better be good. We're gonna move forward. <laughs> We're gonna move forward right here to high school football in the Midlands and Sumter. Uh, Camden advanced. Y'all saw Oceanside. They had the Oceanside had to cancel their game against Camden at the last minute because of too much COVID and COVID tracing. And so you know them Oceanside guys were upset because that game was going to be a home game for them. But so you Camden, know was more upset. What you know was more upset about that. Oh. the team that the team that had to play Gilbert High School. You telling me the number one season got a bye week in the middle of the playoffs? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> and then they get a home game against them. Camden will play at home against Gilbert. Any oh, predictions man. for that one? Who are we predicting? I'm going with Gilbert. Man, I would never bet against Coach Lee Park and, and Gilbert. What do you think, Kyle? Coach Lee Park, the man, dog. Camden <laughs> is undefeated. It's a home game, but I just – what I saw in Gilbert, I think it was two or two years ago, I saw enough of an air raid offense that I said I would never bet against these guys. So, y'all – so, there's a really good head coach out there at Gilbert. Do y'all care? Yeah, he's, he's excellent. He's excellent. Third best, third best coach I've never been around, and that's behind Tom Knotts and Derek Belton. So, that's, <laughs> that's a dang good list to be behind. Who's, you said Derek who? Derek Belton. From where? He coaches at Jer High School. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. These are you, you, Cairo. You went to Jura too, right? Correct. Uh, Jura Blue Devil alumni. Anyway, next topic Dutch Fork. <laughs> Dutch Fork did advance in the playoffs as expected. They will play, I'm pretty sure they play Sumter, right? Uh, I think so. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Sumter's quarterback is Hayden Vasquez, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure he just picked, he just picked up a preferred walk on from one of these schools. I see him out at Perry Orth workouts. You saw that Dutch Fork quarterback. You saw him in Will Poyer, how many rushing yards he had? I did not see how many. I'm sure it was a lot. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's his DNA. I think he rushed for over 200 something yards. I saw on Twitter, they're like, it's a track meet out here. He's one of the fastest guys on the team. I figured when they played South Point that first time that he was hurt or something because, like I said, he, you don't get a Clemson preferred, well, oh, scholarship off for the Clemson play receiver if you can't move a little bit. So, Dutch Fork for Sumter, 5A matchup should be a great one. AC Flora, which is the, which happens to be the Drew Blue Devils arch rival, has this, has remained, will remain in the playoffs as well. Who did they beat on Friday? AC Flora went up and beat the living, I don't know what, out of South Point. <laughs> oh, yep, yep, it was South Point. That is right. Yeah. Oh. So, AC Flora will hope to continue. I don't I don't have it on here who they played. Yeah, their top running back rushed for at least 200 yards at South Point. I, I think he rushed for 268. I'm, I'm not even joking. Uh, Markel, uh, I think his name, Markel Townsend, I think, I believe, or uh, either him or Matt Pat, one of the two I saw, one of them rushed for, two, for 248 at least. I mean, 
they run that ball. <laughs> would, would y'all say AC Floor is a pretty much of a balanced attack? Uh, you know, Kyra with the coach against him. Kyra with the thing. Hit inside. That's a that's <laughs> that's a hard team to play, man. If 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 you don't have let, let's just say this, if you don't have numbers to the point of attack, you're not gonna beat them because all week you need to work on tackling because them running backs that they got break tackles like I have there. I I have not seen two running backs break as many tackles. And, and they might they might be a better tandem than what Coach Leapart had when we played against Gilbert. But man, you better if you playing if you playing floor, you better be able to fit power and counter right. You better be able to tackle. And if you don't get a hand on number twelve at wide receiver, you, you got no shot. They're too fast offensively. They're fast defensively, and they're a dang good coach team. So. <laughs> you bet. You better bring everything you got to beat them. I say they probably got one of the best coaching staffs too. You got Ryan Davis, I think, is coaching linebackers. Bennett Weigel, who was the coach in Northeast, but Northeast was still something. Uh, he's a defensive coordinator over there, and you got uh, Perry Orth, who runs QB One Athletics as the quarterbacks coach. And I'm pretty sure AC Flores' quarterback has picked up an offer from Limestone, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been airing it out all year too, so. Definitely a balanced attack. Good high school football in this area this year. Uh, well, not really this year because it seemed like the big dogs been beating up on everybody. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure every single one of those teams are undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be Because I know Camden is. Two possessions. What'd you say? Floor is going to win every game by two possessions. So it looks like we'll be – well, I don't even know if they're going to have the state championship at uh, Williams-Bryce this year. But at Benedict they, this year, 4A is at Benedict. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Hey, apparently – a little inside information. Apparently too many people were giving out those little Richland 1 passes last year. So Benedict was in the hot water with Richland 1 because a lot of – during the playoffs, I think just the regular season, everybody was – I think somebody was making the counterfeit ones. So <laughs> – Go find him. They're not sponsoring this podcast. So I'm not advocating for the betterment. So <laughs> that's all we have for this edition of Matt Sports House. Thank you, Kyrell, for coming on. Kyrell, we're going to have to bring you back. Sterling, keep bringing you back. So <laughs> also, if you're a small business, if you're looking to get your your company's logo, not logo, because this is a podcast. If you're listening to get a special message out from your company, to the masses, you know, we'd be having about 200, 300. I'm just kidding. We have about 50, 60 listeners. Submit uh, <laughs> that information to me and I'll get it out for you. Carol, what's up? Can I say one one more thing? You mentioned Jonathan Abram. Yeah. Um, so th- they were they were playing zone coverage on that play to win the game, and Jonathan Abram absolutely just left his zone to try to go tackle <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. So let's, <laughs> let's just <laughs> that, that that's how that's how uh, that's my Jonathan Abram take for the day. And that was the game, right? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yo, yeah. Yo, me and Matt was talking about it before he came on, and he was like, how fast is Patrick Mahomes? I'm like, I mean, he's fast, but he ain't, if he approaching a lot of scrimmage, take off fast. <laughs> I mean, good Lord, you're a deep half player, and you, about to ta- you think you're about to tackle him at the 30 yards away from him. Who are you helping? <laughs> you ain't helping nobody. And Patrick Mahomes said, I appreciate it. We're off back to Kansas City. And throw it over the top. That's all we have for this edition of Matt Sports House. Thanks for listening. Peace.
Right, yeah. Get your set right, go get your set right, yeah. Get your set right, go get your set right.